MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Nightcap, live at the Circa Sportsbook. I'm Stormy Bonantoni, alongside Amal Shaw. And this NBA Finals match just keeps on getting more and more fun. We have a tie game after three quarters between the Milwaukee Bucks and Phoenix Suns. Wanted to get into a couple of those props that are getting pretty close to hitting. Well, let's go first to Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's got 37 points uh, right now, 10 rebounds, one. He's over his 32-and-a-half prop, but I know a lot of people have that any player to score 40, and he's creeping up on that one. Yeah, just needing three points. I know our producer Aaron Oster's on that one. He's got a great chance to hit that one, barring some miracle. Uh, it, you'd expect Giannis to be able to get over that number. But I'll tell you, Stormy, the big thing has been in this third quarter, uh, Devin Booker. Now mm-hmm. he's got 15 points. I think at the break he had just four. Yep. And now 11 points showing in that second uh half so far and also Drew Holiday getting going a little bit now he's got nine points not necessarily shooting the basketball much better but he did knock down an outside three-point shot that was critical late in the quarter and this should be a terrific fourth quarter for the NBA title potentially. Yep, Chris Paul at 17 points, approaching that 21 and a half as well. So we'll keep an eye on all of those. But if there's one person who's not surprised one bit that this is a tie game right now, it's you. You said this one was going to be close and come down to the wire. Yeah, I thought, you know, when you look at this, I thought Milwaukee would win, but I thought Phoenix would cover the game. And the number was at four and a half or five, depending on where you got it. That was a great opportunity if you were risky enough to be able to middle those two situations. So something to pay attention to when you're looking at this one. And the teams have flopped leads in quarters, too, which I think is interesting. Milwaukee had a significant lead after one. Phoenix flipped it around, outscored Milwaukee 31-13 to in the second to take that lead at halftime. And now you see another turnaround where Milwaukee has a 35-30 to lead in the third quarter. So uh, 
it's a lot of back and forth, um, a lot of question marks, I feel like. I'm, I'm somebody who, like I said from the very beginning of the show today, was very on the fence about which way to go in this one, and it seems like that was rightfully so. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, this game is going to be tight. I expected Phoenix to play a good game mm -hmm. just simply because your season's on the line. You're two games from a championship, too much to lose uh, to not get a concerted effort out of this Suns team. Struggled in the first quarter, but the big thing is, remember, you brought up that second half number, I think 112 and a half. Mm-hmm. And right now, already 65 points scored, so you're going to need just 47.5 to get over that number. That would put each team over 100. If you get to 101 each, you've got a win right there. So I would expect to see that continue. 65 points in that third quarter. I thought these teams shoot the ball too well to be able to continue to struggle throughout the entirety of the game based on the way they did in the first half. Yeah, no question. And right now, that live line going into the fourth quarter for the game as a whole, Bucks minus one and a half. The total just adjusted as I looked at it to 212 and a half. So we'll have to keep an eye on all of that here moving forward. But no matter what, like this is a game that's a lot of fun. It's a win or go home situation for Phoenix. Milwaukee looking for that first title, trying to have that closeout effort. And I feel like every time we look at the screen, there's somebody making some sort of a play where you're just like, oh my gosh, what is going on? You're absolutely <laughs> right. You know, uh, Frank the Tank, Frank Kaminsky in there back in his home state of Wisconsin, played collegially at UW, missed a, he had a beautiful move, just missed a little bit about a six or eight footer. And I think the Bucks have now uh, edged back out in front by two. But yep. this is one of those scenarios where if you are Milwaukee, you've got Giannis on the bench, you've got to kind of any, weather any push that you get out of the Phoenix Suns right now and then put yourself in a position to close out in the last six, seven minutes. So I know I already hit you with one of these earlier sure. in the show, but I have my notifications on for ESPN Stats and Info just because they give such random stuff and I love it. Prior to Giannis scoring 20 points in a quarter twice in this series, the last player with 20 in a finals quarter was Michael Jordan. 1993 against the Seattle Supersonics. How do you are? Were you at that game too? No, I was not. <laughs> I was one year old. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making me feel old. But uh, you know, oh, listen, it doesn't come as much of a surprise that it was uh, 23 from Chicago. I mean, the greatest to ever do it. So it doesn't come as much of a surprise. So what are you liking uh, in terms of the MVP odds coming into this game? Giannis Antetokounmpo is minus 400, and then there was still good value on Booker, on a CP3, if you thought the Suns would ultimately win this real quick. Yeah, you know, to me, I'd have to look at, at that point in time, you'd look at the series price, and with Giannis at $4, I still didn't think it was a bad play because I thought he could potentially, highly unlikely, if the Suns won the series, he could win MVP, but better than if they lost the series. Yeah, that was something that I was asking myself constantly because you got really good value on Giannis after they were down 0-2, yeah, exactly. but now at $4, uh, what are you going to do? I don't know. I, I like the Suns play on a lot of different things, though, as we are here on the Nightcap. fun here on the nightcap. Amal Shah making fun of me constantly. I'm Stormy Bonantoni as we welcome you back in here. Happy now. We've been talking a ton of NBA finals and a little bit of NFL. So we're going to get back on the NFL train because as we know, the National Football League is king. Happy to welcome in now Mike Sando of The Athletic and the GM podcast. And there's a lot of different directions we could go with this one. But as we just got done talking about the Rams, might as well go there first with you. Cam Akers, their top running back going into this season out for the year a week before camp starts what was your reaction to that news well first i mean for him you feel terrible because he's a young rising player and a good player and somebody they valued but i think it's just all you hear about is running backs don't matter and then the minute one gets hurt everyone's worried about the running back and i think for that for that place the running back has mattered 
Todd Gurley mattered a lot for them. So, you know, it hurts them a little bit. I think their style of play is going to be the same. I think they'll wait. Um, I think that uh, they've got other people they like, Woodard, Daryl Henderson, others. And they'll see what's out there, see how these guys do, and they'll be okay. You know, I don't think this fundamentally changes them, but you know you're going to have injuries happen. You just want as few as possible. So this one, we're not even in camp yet. These ones really hurt. Yeah, it's going to be a big blow, as you alluded to, Mike. You're up in Seattle there. The Seattle Seahawks, obviously, with Russell Wilson, always a contender, whether it be for the NFC West or the NFC as a whole. How dangerous is this team going to be coming into the 2021 season to challenge the Rams? Because I like the Rams, despite the Acres injury, still to win the West. Yeah, I think they're always dangerous, and they're oftentimes undersold. You know, all they do is win 10 or 11 games every year. Last year they were 12-4, and four, wow. and because of the conversation around Russell Wilson, it felt like they were 8-8 eight and eight and barely holding on, and he's, is Pete Carroll the right coach, and what are they going to do? They're 12-4. and four. So, um to me, they've been the easiest team to kind of bet on in that division because they have Russell Wilson. He's been the most known quantity, even though he wasn't as good late in the year. They still had a good record. So uh, I think Seattle's probably, um, I don't know what their odds are, but typically an undervalued team for how good and consistent they've been. Russell Wilson, also one of those guys who we've seen his name as a potential contender in that MVP race. Do you think he could have one of those seasons this year? Well, I don't think that he's going to probably get the MVP, but how about one vote? You know, he hasn't even gotten <laughs> one. That's been made a big deal on. So That's crazy. I don't know that he I don't know that he really should have any of those seasons. You can't control. It's kind of like golf. You can't control what the other guys do, you know, for an award like that. He can't stop Patrick Mahomes from having a great year. But I think he's going to have a pro bowl year. I think it's going to be a better offensive system for them even though Shane Waldron is you know not a, necessarily a veteran play caller I like that what the system can do for him there's going to be a lot of stuff that uh you know with the jet sweeps and with the boot actions that um can play to his strengths and his ability to still move so I think that'll help him a lot and he's going to be good and and I think they're going to have a good year again yeah, I think this is a team that you always have to take into consideration. They're always very dangerous. In the NFC West, I know a lot of people like San Francisco. Obviously, Bosa coming off an injury. I think they have the best linebacker in football in Fred Warner. Uh, do you think Jimmy Garoppolo is the missing piece or the one element that holds back this team to becoming a true contender, whether it be with the Rams, Bucks, Packers, whomever it may be? Uh, yeah, I mean, the quarterback's... Obviously, they've got a good record when he's played and a terrible record when he hasn't played, and there's been other factors, but I think you can't, you can't ignore that. You know, when I hear about San Francisco, though, you know, they've, in the last six years, they've won more than six games once. And yet, I think people that can come into every year thinking they've they got this championship window because the one year they did go and they've been hurt the other years. So I'm still more like, you know, let's, they've got to prove it to me. Um, so that they can be above the Rams in Seattle. And until that happens, um, how could you bet on it? I mean, how could you bet on Garoppolo playing enough games for them to do that when he almost never does? And now they've got some uncertainty with a new guy. They're going to want to play the new guy at some point. So mm -hmm. I'll sort of believe it when I see it um, with them. 
Gosh, you guys are killing me as a born and bred San Francisco 49ers fan. It's just hard for me to take uh, that we have this contention at quarterback. No, listen, we're just trying to set you up for what you should expect this year. Failure. Seven, seven, or, eight, seven or eight wins are good. And Be pleasantly surprised. He's like, you're going under that ten and a half. Garoppolo sucks. <laughs> Is that their number, ten and a half? Yes. Yep. I, Mike, I thought it was too That's high. Ridiculous. Exactly. <laughs> You guys are crushing I mean, my soul. Lead. If you if you want to randomly pick a team that may, that is a top half team, I'll take the under on ten and a half for almost all of them. You know what I mean? It's just although now I guess we're going to seventeen games, so it's not quite what it, I, I have to recalibrate that in my head. But still, <laughs> no, we we so, all had to do that with the seventeenth game. Uh, let's switch coast a little bit here. Actually, not coast, but let's go towards the middle of the country. Green Bay, Wisconsin. Right now, state of Wisconsin in focus with the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, about 945 potentially from an NBA title. Aaron Rodgers, the speculation is he could move. I never thought he would get moved. If you're Murphy and you're the front office brass for the Packers, this is one of those handful of guys in the NBA you could never trade, and there's a few players like Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. I don't think you ever get the return in value if you trade an Aaron Rodgers. What do you think eventually happens, and is he the guy that starts for the Packers, or is it, does he start somewhere else? I think he starts in place for them this year. Could be traded high likelihood he'd be traded after the year. I think sure. he's sort of trying to negotiate his exit, and he, he's not in a real strong position to do it because he did a contract extension a couple of years ago. Unlike Brady, right? Tom Brady kind of negotiated to where they couldn't franchise him. He got the end of the tunnel sort of negotiated. Rodgers is having to play a little bit more of hardball to get that, but I think he can make it untenable enough. They drafted Jordan Love that maybe this can be the swan song. I don't think he'll be there for the start of camp. That would surprise me, but I don't really think they're going to move him before the year, so he'll eventually have nowhere to go. Is this all a control thing at this point? Because we saw Adam Schefter reporting earlier today that he was offered this five-year extension to be the highest-paid player in the NFL, turns it down. Um, you see that there on your screen, the exact word-for-word -word quote from Adam Schefter. But I, for me, I just can't help but think, like, okay, they offered you term, they offered you money, it's neither of those things. But he doesn't have any issues with Jordan Love. It's just the fact that he wasn't communicated with the way that he should have been from the start. And that for him, like any of the control that he had in any of this situation is gone, and now he's trying to grasp that control again. Do you get any sense of that, or am I out on yeah. the island? No, no, I, I agree. I, I think that he's always tried to cast this as being a problem of the organization, of the GM, of not being treated right. I think he's making it clear. That, you know, we don't know for sure where that report came from, but if it came from Roger's camp, you know, he wants to be positioned as someone who's sort of aggrieved, not greedy, right? Mm -hmm. That, hey, it's not – and he wants to set it up that, hey, it's, money's not going to solve this, right? So I think he's making them sweat. You know, they, they uh, you know, put some pressure on him and, or just sort of needled him by drafting Jordan Love. And I think he is exacting revenge, and he's going to continue to do that to the peak of his abilities probably until it comes time to play, and then he'll come in. Yeah, but Mike, I can agree with your assessment in terms of how you view it. I think it's a disgrace. Last first-round receiver taken by the Packers, Javon Walker in 2 This is a team that's taken one player in the first round in the last 10 years, and it's a backup quarterback. I mean, to me, if you're in Rodgers, and you look at your body of work, you've not had great coaching. I'm not a Mike McCarthy fan. And you look at the players that they have put around him. He has a right to be angry about this. Don't you think you're a Hall of Fame voter? You look at these players, you understand evaluating talent. I mean, I don't feel like he's necessarily been given a full deck to play with every time. 
I agree that you could. I agree, and I think the cherry on top is the love move. I think that that one really is um, a tough one to take to trade up that early when there were clearly um, other things you could do to help put the team over the top. So uh, I agree that one, but but I don't think by the same token that they're a mismanaged team. You know, I think sure. they've kind of had more parking tickets with a misdemeanor on than a misdemeanor on the. Uh, you know, the love one. I don't think love's necessarily quite a felony. It's like a gross misdemeanor. So this is not, to me, Carson Palmer with Cincinnati, where everybody just looks at the Bengals and says, I'm with you 100%. You should get out of there. Uh, you know, they, they've done they've done some good things, too. And those receivers played good for him this year. I think we have to give them that. They weren't what limited them, right? Yeah. The defense and special teams, there's always been something. But I think you could look at them now and say, hey, you know they're they're better than they've been. They've been to the NFC Championship game. Um, you know, and so it's not an emergency, right? I mean, they can come back and be in that position again this year, make another run. I think your prosecutors in King County are probably a little bit nicer than ours here in Clark County. Well, Richard Sherman sure hopes so. Let me tell you, <laughs> yeah, that's a fair <laughs> oh, point. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but yeah, like you guys said, though, even despite that maybe not having that full deck of cards, still 13 wins the last two seasons, NFC championships for the Packers. They've, they've still been able to do that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was just the MVP coming into this season. So um, a lot to get to yeah. there. Is there. Are there any other team storylines that really intrigue you going into this year? Um, you know, I'm really interested to see sort of what happens with Pittsburgh. Do they fall off a cliff? Is Ben Roethlisberger going to be kind of motivated into a – a good a good season, or is this going to be the true changing of the guard, where we just see uh, Cleveland and uh, Baltimore, and even now, if you know, I think Joe Burrow's Burrow's real. If he's healthy, you know, can they even be a team that has a lot more to look forward to than the Steelers, who were eleven and zero last year, right? But it sort of feels like it could go the other way here quick. So th- that's one for me for sure. I want to ask you about the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. How impactful could Kyle Long be? They get uh, Duvernay Tardif back in the mix. They were decimated towards the end of the season. I thought it had a huge impact in that Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can they regain the form on the O-line that they had in 2019? Um, yeah, and I even think in 2019 their line got worked by the 49ers, remember, in the yeah, Super that's Bowl. Right, you're so right. it's, it's, you know, in the two big games, uh, they won that one anyway, but, it, you know, that I think that's been a limiting factor. So I think they've thrown enough at it that they're going to be um, significantly better. Don't forget, you know, Joe Tooney was maybe overpriced for a guard or whatever, but he's a good starter, right? And, and then they make the trade for Orlando Brown. You know, good starter. He, he may not be all-world, but th- they've got guys who can be really good starters. They've made it a point of emphasis, and I think what it's going to do is – is those times when Mahomes is off schedule and running around aren't going to be so frequently, and it's going to make him more effective in those situations. He's going to be able to be a little bit more fundamentally sound and more on, on time and probably be you know, his best again and maybe have a better chance to be healthier late in the year. While we're on the Chiefs, um, just because we did get into a little bit of that potential for Russell Wilson in the MVP talk, Patrick Mahomes, the odds-on favorite to go ahead and win that award this year. Who in your mind is his biggest threat to go ahead and do that? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, it's probably Rodgers again. Uh, hmm. You know, I think As long that, as he gets out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think he will. I don't yeah. think he's going to stay away. I just feel like Rodgers... Uh, number one, he was the MVP. I, I think that his play hasn't dipped. I, I think that 
the supporting cast was a problem a couple of years ago, but they're still a good team offensively. And I think that he's going to be uh, motivated too. I think ultimately, right? Um, because uh, you know he's sort of got a chance to put the finishing touches on his legacy. And I think we saw it last year, even though he wasn't happy. He played great. You're absolutely right. He was terrific. Mike, you're a Hall of Fame voter. I want to ask you this question, and I know it's putting you on the spot because you don't have the numbers in front of you. Michael Strahan's in the Hall of Fame and made it in easily. What about John Abraham of the Jets? When you look at him to me, and again, it's an unfair question because you don't have the numbers in front of you, but I I thought John Abraham, if Strahan's in, John Abraham's got to get strong consideration eventually. That's a great one. You know, I, I, you're right. I mean, I haven't done the research, so um, I'm interested in it, though, and I'm, I'm just going to call him up. While we're sitting here, I'm going to call it up. So we got five Pro Bowls, two-time All-Pro. We've got 133 sacks. Those are great numbers, and I think way better numbers than anybody realizes he has, wouldn't you say? 100%. I mean, those are – it's a great point. So I, I love those types of – I like to do the research then and talk to people, and I'll go back and do it. Because I obviously remember him when I was covering the league for his whole career, but haven't thought of him in that vein myself, just off the top of my head, right? And that's why we do the research. Um, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, it's fine. Go ahead. When I used to cover the Cowboys, I always used to bother Goose Goslin with these types of things. And I I look into the numbers, and I'm like, John Abraham, yeah, you mentioned that. uh, Strahan's got, I think, eight more career sacks. But uh, Abraham had more double-digit or nine-and-a-half or greater seasons. I think he had 10 or 11 compared to Strahan. And I was like, man, this guy's got to get consideration. But sometimes if you don't have a quarterback that goes 4-0 in the postseason, you just don't necessarily get the same kudos. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then I think there's also can be a disadvantage when you change teams. Unless you're, uh, uh, you know, some of the wide receivers have been able to do it. But I think one of the things that happens when you change teams is that then no single team really advocates for you, right? Oh, uh, yes. And he, and so he's a Jet, but he's a Falcon, but he's a Cardinal <laughs> at the end, you know? And, and I've, like, like there's some other guys like that, like a, like a Chris Hinton was a really good offensive oh, lineman. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's, he was all pro or pro bowl at multiple positions. Um, it doesn't mean he automatically should get in, but he was on multiple teams, and I think that hurts him, right? You don't, people don't have a clear view of him and then then the postseason which let's face it john abraham can't you could have the greatest defensive end in the league and and it doesn't mean you're going to even reach the playoffs right i mean it takes so much more than that whereas strahan well i think very deserving great all-around player you had to game plan for him i know that um but giants right two super bowls they won with their pass rush and that matters that helps them. I mean, Abraham didn't win Super Bowls with the pass rush, right? So uh, you can't take that away from Strahan. But I love those types of uh, discussions. Another guy that, you know, did you see they went back and, and researched stats or sacks back earlier? Did you see that recently? I, I did not. So is Deacon Jones' yeah. numbers going to so, go up? Yes. So it was very interesting. Um, it was uh, uh, John Turney, uh, who's a football historian along with Pro Football Reference, went back through film and game uh, books and got those numbers. And one of the really interesting guys. Mike, we're up against it, if you don't mind. Sorry. At Sando NFL, Koi Bacon. Look look up Koi Bacon. You've never heard of him? Just look him up. Will do. Thank you so much. That's Mike Sando, senior NFL writer of The Athletic. Appreciate your insight so much. Stay with us right here on The Nightcap. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NBA Finals 
action starting to round out here as we welcome you back to the nightcap alongside Amal Shah. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. We have a six-point game in the Pfizer Forum, and Giannis Antetokounmpo with nearly half of his team's points, 45 on the board. That's unbelievable, the performance he's had tonight. 45 points, 12 rebounds, 5 blocks. First player in NBA Finals history to put up that stat line. And, you know, we were talking with our producer during the commercial break. It's realistic that he's got a chance to go for 50 as we're nearing the uh, four-minute mark here. Should be a great finish. And let's talk about the difference in this game from the foul line tonight. Giannis, 16 of 17. Last game, he was 4 for 11. And I was wondering, did, I mean, I know on a middle school girls basketball team, my coach made me stay after and hit 10 in a row before I was allowed to leave. I was like, how is Giannis only 4 for 11 here in the NBA? But look at him turn it around. Absolutely right, to your point, last two games, he's a combined 8 for 19. Tonight, uh, you mentioned 16 for 17. So if you think about it, over the last uh, three games, he's now 24 for 36. So that really drastically improving his numbers. So doing a tremendous job. And again, you mentioned it. That's why this team is winning. If he's having one of his prototypical mm -hmm. nights we've seen previously, they're probably trailing by five or six points. Yeah, if he's only got four points from the line right yeah. now, this is a different game. It's not 96-90 lead right now. Um 98.90, actually. Let me check myself as my ESPN app updates before we even see it on the television. That drives me. That, you know what? That's why the, the, some of the technology is so irritating because you get it before it happens in the arena or wherever it is. Yep, and I got to say, if there was any doubt that Giannis Antetokounmpo, if the Bucks were to win, if he would win MVP, all of those doubts are out the window. And you got to think, coming into this series on a knee injury, that you're wondering, is he going to be 50%? Is he going to play at all? And he comes out and puts on this type of performance, particularly when it counts most. Absolutely right. Uh, you know, he delivered in the clutch, and that was the big question mark coming into the series. Would he be able to play? And once I saw him playing game one, I thought Milwaukee had a great chance to win this series. And uh, the looks like right now with a six-point lead, 3.08 to go, they have the basketball as Aiden just got a layup. Um, this is going to be a great finish. Uh, if you are Milwaukee, you probably, it's 98-92. You're probably going to need to get to a bucko five to be able to win this game, maybe a bucko seven. And when you think about what the line was coming in earlier this morning, uh, the Bucks were favored by five. Right now they have a six-point lead, so it's pretty much in line with what the bookmakers had off the jump. Yeah, it really is, and I, I think uh, you look at this team right now, they feel good about their chances. They're just going to have to hit some streets, uh, free throws and execute down the stretch. But this has been a fun, it's been a much better second half. And in terms of this total, uh, Stormy, it's getting closer mm -hmm. and closer. If you play the second half over, uh, you said uh, 112 and a half. Mm -hmm. Right now you're looking at both teams have a combined 101 points. Nice. Love to see that. Um, Chris Paul, 24 points. He only needs a couple more to get that prop for you. I want to say his number was 20. One? Oh, no, he's got it. Sorry. I thought it was 25 and a half, so it was only 21 and a half. So you got that prop because he's got 24 on the board as we speak. Giannis Antetokounmpo soaring over that 32 and a half, now with 47. And, I mean, this is everything that you could ask for and more in a game six for the Milwaukee Bucks. They're ultimately... Look at all of the people as we look at our screen right now that are out there in the Deer District cheering on this team. Insane. Like, okay, before we get more into the game action... Can you imagine being a fan out there right now? Like, just the breathing on everybody. You can't even see the game the way that you want to, but there's more people outside than in right now. Yeah, I would not be out there in that crowd. <laughs> that is, <laughs> there's just way too many people out there for me. Oh, look at that. Michael Lombardi said unless it was Bon Jovi, maybe that's the only thing that could get him out there. Bon Jovi, really? Bon jo he's a Bon Jovi guy. Learn new well, things every day. He's from New Jersey. How is he not going with Bruce? <laughs> I mean, you got the legend Bruce Springsteen right there. Yeah, yeah. 
Maybe you need to have that argument with him. I, I will, 100%. <laughs> Are you kidding me? There, there, listen, there's only one Bruce Springsteen. I can't handle you right now. We're over here <laughs> trying to talk basketball. I, but honestly, I set myself up for that, so there's nothing that That's I fair. can really do about it. 3.08 left in the fourth quarter. Will the Bucks get a title, or will the Suns be able to force Game 7? They are still in striking distance, just a six-point game where we sit right now. And oddly enough, it's crazy to me that people are still able to get in live lines with three minutes to go. But if you're interested, Milwaukee minus six and a half. Yeah, you know, it's not a number I would be interested in taking right now. I will say this, though. If you have the Milwaukee Bucks on the money line, great opportunity to hedge mm-hmm. off on the Suns plus 750. So it's a number you can take and really avoid any risk. I know a lot of people don't like to wipe out profits, but here's the thing. You never go broke taking a profit. Yep, no question. We have a ton more to come here on the nightcap in just a little bit. And as soon as this game is over, we're going to get our boy Jonathan Von Tobel on here to give us his breakdown of everything that went down. And I mean, the big question mark, do the Bucks close this thing out? All that and more. We'll get into a little bit of the MLB slate a little bit later. Amal, I know you had some picks earlier. We'll see how they have panned out. Stay with us on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the Nightcap. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The VEASAN football betting guides are coming soon. If you didn't now, you know there's no better way to prepare for the college and pro football seasons than with our football betting guide. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Each guide is only 20 bucks, and discounts are available when you buy both and buy early. Now is the time to reserve your copy or sign up for VEASAN All Access and get everything we offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe as we welcome you back into our two here on the nightcap. I'm Stormy Bonantoni alongside Amal Shah. And under a minute to go in game six of the NBA Finals, can the Milwaukee Bucks ultimately get it done right now? 102 to 96, their lead. Yeah, 56 seconds remaining. Suns ball, they'll have it in the front court. They do have one timeout in their back pocket, but this is the, the possession here, right? If you're Milwaukee, you get a stop. You should be able to basically work this clock and run it out. Uh, I don't know if you're Phoenix and you start fouling immediately, depending on how long it takes you to get a shot off and whether you make it or miss it. If you make it, you're going to just go out and play defense. But uh, if you're, just from a mathematical standpoint right now, if you are Milwaukee with 56 seconds remaining, if Phoenix does not hit a three-point shot on this possession... You actually don't even have to take a shot the rest of the game and just go to the free throw line and make your free throws because it'd be a scenario where the best case scenario they could cut it to one if they if they got a bucket here and then they got a stop and a three pointer they would have to foul you so you know the reality is you're 32 seconds before you get into a scenario where they would have to start fouling so something to pay attention to what Phoenix does and they just had to. Uh, I thought they were going to have to burn a second time out here. That yeah. would have been huge as Bridges barely gets the ball in. Yeah, it took a really long inbound there. Booker just misses a three. And uh, Milwaukee with the board going the other way with their lead 102 to 96, 44.7 seconds left to go. And for me, with this little time left, if you're Phoenix, you have to play mistake free basketball. And even just that miss on the three from Booker is a mistake. It was not only was that a mistake, but the bigger mistake was the fact that Bridges fouled Middleton. He was not the guy to foul. They had an opportunity. Jay Crowder under the basket to follow Giannis. I know he's 16 for 17 tonight, but I want Giannis at the line if I'm Phoenix over Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton nearly 90% during the regular season and 14 for 16 in this series. He is two for two from the line tonight, so good for him tonight. I just yeah. still can't get over Giannis's free throw percentage tonight. I like. give him credit. He clutched up in the biggest game. Think about this. You can argue, and I think last time I saw he was 16 for 25. 
He had the best game of his career at the biggest moment. That's what, that, you know, it's funny. Everyone says LeBron, LeBron. I said, no, that's why MJ is the greatest because he always delivered in the clutch. Never went to a seventh game. Giannis, in the biggest game of his career, played the best game of his life. And that's kind of what you saw, honestly, from him in game five, aside from at the foul line, because for the most part, that was a very complete game for Giannis yeah. in another crunch time type of an effort where you needed him to show up just 30 seconds left. Milwaukee with the ball. It's looking like this one is going to be Bucks taking home. Their first championship in 50 years. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm kind of mad at myself because I, I was kind of a, you know, they called me up from the minors to do the show with you here. And I forgot to record the end of the game. Whenever I'm not home in a championship oh, thing, no. I like to see. Actually, I'm just going to record it right now on, on the phone here in a second. But I always like to see the interviews. I like to hear what people me have too. to say in the post game because it's a long, arduous season, right? This is Milwaukee's 94th game. Only played 72 games during the regular year. But to be able to overcome this, they were facing elimination game seven in Brooklyn played a tough Atlanta team. You know, they've had a tremendous postseason down 0-2, I think, what, uh, twice in this yeah, postseason. Yeah, down 0-2 against the Nets, it's, down 0-2 in this series. Yeah, exactly. So they've done a really nice job of rallying in situations. And by the way, I love the fact that uh, ABC ESPN is just forced a commercial upon everybody. Oh, the TV timeouts, man. But hey, sponsorship. You got to do what you got to do. Um, but no, this is this is what you expect of an NBA Finals game. You need your stars to be your stars. And just looking at some of the role players that I anticipated having big games today, although the Bucks do have the lead that they have right now come crunch time, and it looks as if they are going to win this one, I thought Connaughton was going to have a significant night tonight. He does not have a point and is minus 22 on the floor. Yeah, I tell you, I am not as big into the plus minus as other people are. Because to me, a lot of that translates from the fact that when he's struggling shooting the basketball, he's not able to contribute. And you're also in there with guys that are somewhat second-tier guys. I don't want to say second-tier, but not necessarily a Giannis. You know, he probably played a lot of minutes at the start of the fourth quarter. Phoenix still had Booker and Paul in the game while Milwaukee was resting Giannis. So yeah. all those things are a little bit of a factor. Portis, meanwhile, 16 points uh, tonight, soaring over his total. And a couple of those, just to update you, obviously Giannis Antetokounmpo with nearly 50 points in this one, well over his... 32 and a half Devin Booker just 19 points so he's he's not going to be able to hit that if you had the under on Devin Booker didn't think that he could go 40 <laughs> once again you were correct and Chris Middleton just 13 points compared to his 25 and a half prop there so um, a few updates in terms of that and Giannis right now soaking in the moment at the Pfizer Forum getting the crowd as if they weren't already incredibly engaged even more so and as you get that look here at the Circus Sportsbook it's been a packed house all night for this one well well, listen, when you think, think about sports fans, uh, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to go to Camp Randall Stadium in Wisconsin. It is one of the great scenes in college football. Third quarter, jump around. Uh, you, <laughs> if you haven't been, you've got to go to experience it. But you look at the Packers, the support they get. The Brew Crew, even though they've not had tremendous success, they get, tremend uh, get great fan support. And no surprise, they love the Bucks there. And you look at this, uh, obviously everyone's fired up. you got a two-time MVP. you got a team that's about to win a title coming back from 0-2 when everybody had them for dead. Yeah, that's. I think that's the biggest takeaway for me in this series is that they had to start out this series on the road in yeah. Phoenix, go down 0-2, and have to figure out a way to turn this thing around at home Ultimately, they do. They're about to win their fourth straight game after going down 0-2 and could have been defeated. But again, we go back to that conversation with Giannis and the way that he has handled this whole series as a leader, as a top superstar in this league, and he's handled it 
perfectly and is about to reap the rewards here in 9.8 seconds. Yeah, real quickly, going to the line for two free throws. Right now they have a 104-98 uh, lead, but the more important thing here is uh, Stormy makes one free throw. He hits 50 points, so let's see if he can get to that big number. Yes. Also, remember, if he misses one of these free throws, the spread is going to come into play. Because we're seeing Milwaukee leading by six, the line between four and five, depending on where you got the number. So these free throws are very critical, depending on what Phoenix does on the other end. 17 of 18 now for Giannis from the line, 105-98, the lead. If they do ultimately overcome this, they'll be the, just the second team in NBA history to go down 0-2 in multiple series on their way to a championship. Wow. I don't. I don't know who the other one is, so well, that was a bad note to say. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing to you. I'm like, you're not going to tell me the answer? I'm trying to think of teams that have been down. Maybe I'll check the Twitter, as you like to say. I, yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a, a mis, uh, misquote on my part there, but you know. Uh, and Giannis misses the second free throw. Uh, Phoenix grabs the rebound. They call a timeout. So now a seven-point game with an opportunity for a three-point shot here. You know, I feel like we're back on like the green zone or the pregame show or something like that, given all of these updates. It. Uh, kind of fun. I well, like this. I, I tend to agree with you. And listen, let's be real here. Everybody's concerned about this game. I'm sure there's some sort of action that they have in some capacity. So definitely a lot of interest either way. I think that when we come back, we'll you'll have an idea of whether or not the Bucks have reached the 0.0 .0 and have captured that title. Giannis is loving it. We'll be right back here on the Nightcap. searches through millions of resumes in Indeed's database to deliver candidates who fit your job description instantly. More at Indeed.com slash credit as we welcome you back here on the Nightcap. It is officially official. The Milwaukee Bucks are your NBA champions. They defeat the Phoenix Suns in game six, 105 to 98. And what a moment it was when the streamers came down, the confetti. Not only was it a beautiful scene in Pfizer form as they get their first NBA title in 50 years, but it was a fun one here at Circa, too. We saw a couple fans in the corner. Our producer, Aaron Oster, brought it to our attention, crying in the corner. And you could tell those are diehard fans in this building. Well, think about this. It's like those Kansas City Royals fans. It's like those Chicago Cubs fans. Teams who hadn't won, you've waited an entire lifetime. You know, we have like, for example, I don't know who your team is besides the 49ers and the Vegas Golden Knights. There's an emotional attachment that people have to a team. You grow up with them. You cheer for them. There's so much heartache. There's very few people that are Alabama Crimson Tide fans, New England Patriots fans, Los Angeles Laker fans, or, you know, where you just win year after mm -hmm. year after year. So when you're in Milwaukee, first time in half a decade, I mean, it's unbelievable. Would have been a great story. Half for, a decade, half a century, yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, we knew where you were going. <laughs> Thank you. Honestly, it would have been a great story either way, um, considering the Suns have never won a title. But for the Milwaukee Bucks, especially when you hear just the way that Giannis has talked about this team, it's so huge for the community and for the people there in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin. But it was important for this team, too. This is something that... You know, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into as an organization night right. in and night out. And to reap the rewards for such a tough season, particularly in a COVID year, where you think about just the challenges that these players had to overcome night in and night out, to reach this point is, I think, that much more special. I would agree with you. And, you know, give this team a lot of credit. They could have been left for dead against Brooklyn. Because, mm -hmm. you know, not taking anything away from the Phoenix Suns, the Brooklyn Nets, to me, were a much more challenging team. And then to go on the road and win Game 7, I thought that really showed me that's what was going to make this team the team to beat. 
They did a tremendous job. They navigate the Eastern Conference, and it's going to be a party in the 414 <laughs> tonight. And, you know, for this team to get to where they are, a lot of people doubted them. Giannis had that what appeared to be a catastrophic injury, wasn't as bad as initially anticipated. He goes on. He's going to win the finals MVP. There's no doubt about that with that half a hundred. Um, just an impress, impressive job by this team. And I, I think if you're Milwaukee, you've got a great team. You've got great talent. You've got a good coach. You've got to really find a way to get one shooter. You go get yourself a shooter with the way Holiday plays defense, the way Middleton is willing to do the little things. doesn't have to be the star. They feed and work through Giannis. This team could go on a run. I'm not saying they're going to win multiple mm -hmm. titles, but they become extremely dangerous and a contender every year. And Giannis, a guy who wanted to stay in Milwaukee, yeah. who made that. He didn't try to go and do what LeBron has done and go multiple places yeah. and build that incredible team. Like He wanted to do it in Milwaukee and is able to bring them that title. Like you said, down 0-2 in that series to the Nets, down 0-2 here in this series with Phoenix and come back for four straight wins to now be the NBA champions and for Giannis Antetokounmpo 50 points on the night to close his stat line 15 boards five blocks and was stellar from the line 17-19 that last foul shot got him 50 and he was one plus 130 to have those points in the game obviously that's over his total and I mean your superstars need to step up in moments and that was Giannis Antetokounmpo from the very start you're absolutely right night where some he can be betting when you look at honest odds at one we're six one to win MVP. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Best player on Milwaukee. I don't believe there was a chance Milwaukee to win this finals. Middleton with MVP. I mean, yeah, he would have to have dynamic teams. He would not have been able to get there with Giannis big in time like he did. These are some bets that you have to take a look at making. I'll go back to a series between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Spurs. I think 2012 the Spurs when the played in the final. I think that was they're 0-2 the Spurs in the first two games. They're getting destroyed in San Antonio by 18-20 points. They come back in four And I think how many times, and I'm getting this and so many people are, you start to think this thing is over. I will say this, I mean, not waiting. You know said all Milwaukee's in this series. What I saw out of Giannis's head, that was the difference. I didn't think it was good to be able to stay honest. I think Frank can get stopped. If Milwaukee got home, and they would Two games. They just steal one game on the road. Game five or game seven. I didn't feel they would lose game six at home. We talk about them going down 0-2. And obviously coming into this series, he had the injury. And we had all these question marks about whether or not he'd be able to go. How much now do you look back at those first two games and say, okay, he was struggling a little bit trying to get a feel for where his health really was. And then once he got a grasp on that, was the superstar that we've come to know. Yeah, and you know what? It, to me, really the turning point, I believe, was in game number two. I think he had a very explosive game. And I thought, okay, this is a guy. He had 42 in that one, mm -hmm. 42 and 12. He's good. He's healthy. Now you come back home. Game three was one of the best bets you'll see all year across any sport. It was a great situational spot. I thought they should have been a higher favorite than they were. They take care of business in game number three. Game four, thought was a tougher one, but I thought they would win that game. And I kept saying, I didn't know if they're going to win game five or game seven, but I, I just mm -hmm. thought they were the you better team. Yeah, I thought they were the better team. Look, Phoenix is great. Booker scored. I shouldn't say great. They're a good team. Booker's been a great scorer. But Chris Paul, he's a, good, he's a very good player. But outside of that, I don't look at anybody else and say, wow, this guy's a difference maker. They can overcome Giannis. They can overcome Middleton. They can overcome Holiday. And then Tucker is a stopper defensively that I don't think Phoenix has. 
Yep, no question. And if you did get in on the Bucks earlier today, that covers, so you're clear there. Uh, a lot of bets uh, in terms of just the player props and overs hitting. And you hit on your no lead going over 15 and a half. That feels good. Yeah, it really does. But I'll tell you what I'm mad about is I didn't realize Circa had it at 17 here. Oh, I would have taken that you one. You got that, was... that close because it was 13 Team, at one yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so if I'd known uh, Circa had the 17, that would have been really the take there all day. Well, speaking of earlier, you mentioned Milwaukee being a team that not a lot of people put a whole lot of stock in. Let's throw up their odds coming into this one. In the preseason, they were plus 550. April, plus 900. And even right before the playoffs got underway, plus 850. For them to pull this one off at those types of odds when the playoffs started is pretty incredible. It really, truly is. I, I love this graphic we have here. Uh, this is uh, from BetMGM. But you see, before the conference finals, plus 110. Before the finals, plus 160. April 1, 9 to 1, huh? Uh, you know, really, you could have gotten the same value almost at, at that uh, 575 before the conference semis during the series when they were trailing because they were big numbers when they were down 2-0 in this one. Yeah, no question whatsoever. This was just, I'm honestly just so excited. Like, look at the, you're looking at uh, Budenholzer here, the first NBA title as a head coach for him and just the welling up of the eyes. For me, it's the emotion this was a really fun one. We've got people crying all over the place, huge fans, and it's just really, really cool for that city to have their first title in such a long time, for him as a coach to do that for the first time, for Giannis and, and that whole core group to do it. Sorry, go ahead. No, I love what you said because you made a great point. It is The reason why the emotion is so great, and you know because you're around the Knights on a daily basis, the amount of work, not just from the players, the, not, not just from front office and scouting, there are people, equipment guys, trainers, everyone involved. There is so much effort that goes into it. And in sports, when you get to this level, the competitiveness is so great. And the, the difference between Team A and Team B is so mm -hmm. minuscule that to be able to achieve this, that's why when you see teams like the Bulls win six titles, it's so incredibly impressive because this is not an easy task. Think about everything Milwaukee had to go through just to win one ring. Now you're sitting there and saying four months, turn around and do it again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, it, that's why I agree with you. The emotion, you always see it, and, and no surprise at all from people, and, and rightfully so. And with that, the harsh reality of one team being as happy and as emotional as they are, there's another team being emotional in a different way because of that same reason, all of the work that they ultimately put into this season not to come out on top. And a guy that I look to, and how could you not, is Chris Paul, 16 seasons in the league, never been in this situation before and unable to capitalize. What do you think this means for him? Yeah, it's very difficult to swallow. I mean, this is a situation where, in all likelihood, if he remains in Phoenix, I don't see them getting back there. You know, you look in the Western Conference, Clippers were injured. Lakers were dealing with injuries. Uh, you know, Denver, Jamal Murray gets injured. Uh, Jokic a little bit banged up. And then we see Porter Jr. Jr. with the back issue. So, you know, injuries throughout. Um, I think it's a scenario where Phoenix benefited from that. But give them credit. They took advantage of what was in front of them. Uh, I don't know if Paul will ever be able to get back here. They came within two games of winning a title. And, you know, if you sit there and break it down from this perspective, you're up 2-0 if you're Phoenix. You've got to win two games out of five. You're taking your chances every day of the week on that. And he's somebody that made, we saw, you know, the turnover late last game yeah. and the, the little things where early on in the series, I think that he was making those critical plays he needed to make. And then as the series went on, that dissipated a little bit. And for the thought that he might not get back here again, what do you think? I know we talked dollars and cents on this show, but legacy wise, what do you think this this means in terms of his overall career? Well, you know, look, he's, he's been a great point guard. He'll be a Hall of Famer. But, you know, when you sit there and I heard some people comparing him to, 
you know, he's better than Stockton and Isaiah. I'm like, obviously, you've never seen any of these guys play or you know nothing about basketball. Yeah. Pick either one of your defenses and go with it. But he, he's not in that group. That's just the reality of it. And I know Stockton didn't win a title. We went twice against Jordan. But you look at the greatness of him. Leads the NBA all-time in assists and steals. Um, you know, Isaiah was just an unbelievable player. Went to three straight finals. Came within one game of winning three straight. So... Those are just a couple of guys that kind of come to mind that are not bigger point guards like you see with a Magic Johnson or someone like that. So I don't hold them in the same esteem as some of the great point guards of all time. Is there anybody on the Suns for you that, I guess, disappointed you in not being able to come down the stretch the way that they had hoped to for themselves? No, I thought they played well. I thought Booker was impressive. I thought yeah. Bridges played well. Jay Crowley. Had a slow start. He turned it on in the second half. But, but you look at the entire body of work throughout the postseason. I thought he played extremely well. I, I'm not going to sit there and discount them based on that. I think the thing is they were just against a better team that had better talent. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.